Welcome to Stories of Hope. I'm Christine Hotchkiss. Each week, I bring you stories that will inspire, educate, and give you hope. Such a small word, but means so much. I want to thank my studio sponsor, The Motivated Mind Group, located here in downtown Chandler, your global creative agency. Today, my guest is Danielle Gregorich. Well, this has got a little bit of a twist. <laughs> <laughs> a cancer diagnosis put her on a journey of a lot of different things, and that included suicide attempt, kidney cancer survivor, a stroke survivor, and much more. But we're going to go ahead and let her tell us what that's all about. Please help me welcome my guest today, Danielle Gregorich. Welcome. Thank you so much for reaching out, mm -hmm. and this is just such an honor. I'm, I'm truly, truly um, inspired that you have this podcast and... It's so needed, especially during these times. So thank you. It's a platform that I want to give hope, and I like to do that through stories like yours that will help someone on a journey that thinks that they're the only one or that there's no hope. And as we talked about here, sometimes we feel alone. Yeah. So then you got that word suicide that a lot of people don't like to talk about. Right. And then we've got addiction, which is another thing that people don't like to talk about. Especially in the mommy wine culture. No. It's so totally acceptable to just So walk you around. were diagnosed with kidney cancer. Yes. So um, I was diagnosed with kidney cancer um, six weeks after my daughter was born. Mm. And my husband had just gotten home from Afghanistan. And, uh, you know, I, cancer was the last thing. I was 30 years old. So that was not so young. Yeah. And so, you know, it has never run in my family. And so, um, I had this weird pain, um, in my side when I was pregnant. But when you complain with weird pains, when you're pregnant, they're like, okay, that's about the practice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, um, but it still continued. And so I went to the, um, OB with my six week appointment and they're like, you need to go get a CAT scan. And Lo and behold, um, I had kidney cancer. So here I am. Uh, I had the um, the little pump that they use, you know, to, for your breast. Mm -hmm. I'm 30 years old, and I'm pumping milk for my baby, and it was just so surreal. I, I was so angry um, because I had really bad postpartum with my son, and I was like, "Really, you're not going to give me a break?" <laughs> I thought this was going to be, yeah. And so it, um, it really kind of spearheaded my, my journey into pill addiction. And I quickly realized that, um, if I took Percocet, I could drink more and I didn't get sloppy. Okay. And I'm a control freak. So that was like perfect. Um, and so my, um, uh, my oncologist and control. Yeah, that doesn't go. No, it does not. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So my oncologist basically became my drug dealer. Um, oh. and so Medically, okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. And you know, I, I, I played the part and I didn't make sure that I look like an addict and... Wait a minute. So my last guest said, said that there was breaking a stigma of looking the part. Mm -hmm. What is look the part? You know, I still think, I think it's getting better now, especially when more people like myself are recovering out loud mm -hmm. because this shame and the stigma, it just shouldn't be there because sure. we all suffer from something. Absolutely. All of us do. Absolutely. And so I feel like the more that we can unstrip the layers and just stand in our truth, 
we give everybody the opportunity to do the same. To do the same. I love and that. And it's just, I just wish more people. Um, I have, you know, people who I sponsor and they're just like, no, I can't do what you do. Like, okay. No, but you know what? Right here on this platform, there is one person that does believe in what you're saying and says, yeah. that is me. Yeah. So you got uh, medically addicted to pain pills, but yes. that's not where it stopped. No. No, that's not where it stopped whatsoever. It, um, you know, taking the the opioids turned me into a person that I didn't recognize. Um, I'd been an alcoholic my entire life. I started drinking at seventh grade, and I rode that train all the way until I was 34. Wow. And, um, but I had never done the things that I had done when I was taking opioids. It was just... <sighs> I couldn't even look at myself in the mirror. Being a drunk was okay. I'm like, my mom's a drunk. A lot of people are drunks. Socially accepted. Yeah. Party, whatever, it's what you do. But then when I started to doing um, really, really risky behavior, um, and I'm the stay-at-home mom. Mm. Nobody is gonna expect. And a military wife. And a military wife. And now you have a different status as well. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And we have this beautiful house and power ranch and I couldn't be that person and I want so desperately not to be that person um, but it was out of my control it was completely out of my control I I would never wish that type of hopelessness and despair on anybody nobody wakes up and decides I'm gonna become a piece of shit mom <laughs> nobody does that no no actions and things that come about in our life make us feel that way yeah. and that goes for fathers too I know that oh, there's yeah. some fathers that don't think that they're great in the platform of being a dad but it also has to do with stuff that has been carried on and this is how I feel carried on from other generations that we're bringing into our own life and then you've got our own lives that that happen yeah and then you've got that baggage and then you've got the new baggage and then whatever else if you don't take care of it now so we we uh, medically or we find a vice yeah. that protects us. So was there other stuff that got involved with just pills? I mean, you did, you were, were you doing the pills and the alcohol at the same time? Oh yeah. Oh, I mean, why wouldn't you? Double disaster. <laughs> I'm like, if you're gonna just do it all, take pills, you have to drink. I mean, come on. Um, you're looking at me like I'm crazy, which is a normal <laughs> response. But in my world, like, hello, that's what you do. Um, it, you know, I think what really turned the page um, is I, I had an affair with my husband and my husband found out and um, I don't know why he's still with me, but he is. And you know, his solution was, um, I'm gonna buy you a new house, mm -hmm. a big house and we're gonna move away from Tempe and we're gonna start fresh and... Um, new beginning. Yeah, and uh, I was so hopeless, and um, I didn't feel deserving of any of the life that he created for me, or oh. he wanted so desperately. To protect you? To protect me, yeah. and to make me happy, oh. and um, there was nothing that anybody could do, say, there was nothing whatsoever. It had to do with you. And I was, yeah. there was this pit in my stomach and it was so hollow. 
and there was not enough drugs, there was not enough alcohol, there was not enough shopping, there wasn't enough men, there wasn't enough anything to I'm fill satisfied. it. Understood. And it was just... Those are different addictions all on its own. Yeah. And so when we moved um, to this big, beautiful blue house, um, shortly after, in December of 2016, I almost successfully killed myself. And um, my husband found me dead on the floor. Um, wow. And I woke up in the hospital and I was pissed. <laughs> because it I was, yes, I, here I am, another failure. Like, I can't even kill myself properly. Are you for real? Wow. I was furious. Wow. Furious. And I stayed furious for a really long time. Wow. And um, you would have, you would think I would get sober yeah. after that. No, no, no. Yeah, we wake up um, because now you didn't succeed. And then you also have a family. You have children. Yeah. It doesn't um, matter. It didn't matter because it was you that was broken. It didn't matter the amount of money, the lifestyle, mm -mm. that person that loved you and said, I'm here. It didn't matter. It had no. to do with you. I had a horse. I had a golf cart. Like, I had everything. The white picket fence that people think they want, all of these things, when those are the things that are actually sometimes toxic, when and you're already toxic. And I think, in all honesty, um, when we call it in, in the rooms Cadillac problems mm -hmm. or Scottsdale problems, um, when you have everything, you don't have a reason to feel the way that you feel. Mm -hmm. So you start diminishing your feelings and mm -hmm. you start shoving them further down mm -hmm. because you feel that it's not, um, you can't complain. Cause <laughs> no, what you have I everything no one else, everything else that someone else wants and you're like, well, but I'm not grateful because I'm still not happy. Yeah. So going on, and we're gonna wrap, we're gonna come back around on this one. I'm thinking in my head, alcohol and pills. That's a disaster right there. So you woke up mm -hmm. and you were mad, but you have two books that you have written and you're working on your third that have something to do with a stroke. Yeah. Tell me more. So I ended up getting sober in March of 2018. Um, Congratulations. They, uh, I walked in willingly. I, uh, I walked into the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. I personally am not anonymous. And uh, I was so, I had hit that gift of desperation. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I hit that, um, okay, I thought my life was gonna become immediately better because I'm sober, I don't have anything. that switch was flipped and now everything's better. <laughs> it, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> no, actually my life got vastly worse before it got better. Um, and so I shortly, after getting sober, I suffered a massive stroke in June of 2018. So here you go in, decided the switch has been flipped, you're gonna make a change, and then you got hit with this. <laughs> yep. Okay, tell me more. Uh, you know, I say in all honesty, and, with, and I'll say it probably till I die, um, this stroke was the best thing that had ever in my entire life happened to me. And I say that because I'm one of those people who are extremely hard-headed. Mm. Um, and I had never experienced um, the true feeling of being powerless. Mm. Especially when you mentioned you're a control person. Yes. Wow. And that stroke took my ability to read, write, and speak completely away. So there's no power. No power. Except what's in your mind that yeah. you're, now you're trapped, your body is trapped in your own thoughts and everything. Wow. It was um, a special type of hell that I wouldn't wish upon anybody. Mm. 
being trapped in your body, knowing what you want to say, mm -hmm. but you can't say it. Mm. Uh, it was just, I don't ever, I just get chills all over because I don't ever, ever want to experience that again. And uh, it, it changed me. It taught me how to ask for help. Something that we're all hard to, it's either we don't ask for help or we push people away. Yeah. Oh yeah, and I do both. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. I think most of us are good for that. Right? But until you get to a point where you go, um, I need help and if I don't ask, mm -hmm. I'm not gonna get it because no one's gonna read my mind. No, absolutely not. And I don't think I would have ever gotten to the point where um, I would be willing to ask for help, mm -hmm. like truly ask for help. I couldn't drive after my stroke. Um, All the things that we take for granted as yeah. independent about ourselves and controlling that we're now saying, I can't do this. Yeah. So what was the turning point? You know, I fought like hell. I fought like hell like I had never fought in my entire life. And, um, you know, I think one of the beautiful blessings in all of it is that I was able to, to show my kids how you can fall on the floor sobbing, crying. They saw me sob and cry more times than I can even count. And um, but I would pick myself up and I would just continue on and continue on. But I did not try to shield those emotions from myself, from my husband and from my kids. We're humans. Mm -hmm. We have big emotions. Mm, we're supposed to break. And it's okay. Mm -hmm. And if you don't break, the light can't shine in. It oh, just can't. Oh, I love that. But it's true. Like a and mosaic. It's, um, when you're in that darkness and there you cannot see any light, it's, it's just a feeling of, unless you've been there, you will not get it. Um, and I hope to God that you guys haven't been there. But if you have, um, you understand it. And when you finally crawl yourself, crawl your way out of that, um, you're like, okay, you can share that hope with another person. And for me, because when I hear people who are newly sober, like, you don't know how hard it is. You, and I'm like, really? <laughs> really? Do you want, sit down, let me tell you my first year of sobriety. And I don't say that, you know, bragging, but mm -hmm. you can walk through anything, man. You just can't. Um, and, and I relied on a lot of people, and um, I relied on God mainly because I couldn't speak for the first month and a half after the stroke. You said God. What was your faith prior to that? So I've always had um, a relationship, but I never grew up with it whatsoever. It okay. was never spoken in my house, but I've always known that I've been taken care of. Mm -hmm. It's a very private and personal relationship, so I don't even try to like explain it to anybody. Mm -hmm. And because, you don't have to. But I'm just so selfish that I don't even want to <laughs> share. <laughs> it's just like, this is my God. You can find yours, but this is mine. Um, but I've always had it. And so it, uh, and I thank God for that because I don't know what I would have done, especially the depression that comes after the stroke. Mm. It's, um, it's a, it's a, and I've always had depression, but it was something that I was not prepared for. And, uh, it was just, he got me through some really tough times. Mm. Now you talked about if someone hasn't walked the walk, they're not gonna understand. Mm -mm. How can you help someone who hasn't walked the walk, because your family you just mentioned mm. was a part of this journey, yeah. and they probably had no idea what to do with mm -mm. no tools, understanding, like 
Am I doing something right? Am I doing something wrong? How would you help someone out here who hasn't walked it, but they're a part of someone's life that is walking it? That's one thing that um, I've worked on diligently mm -hmm. with my husband um, because I, I didn't know how to communicate my wants and my needs, my desires, nothing. And so I think as men, they're fixers. So when they see me broken and when they see me, you know, hurting, they just want to fix it. And I had to really explain to my husband, I don't want you to fix it. I don't want you to fix it. I just want you to hear me. I want you to hear me and I want you to see me. I love what you just said because I always say the same thing. I'm already broken. I know I need to fix myself. I just need you to just let me vent or just let me speak. And sometimes just speaking it yeah. is a healing in its own. Just just be the ears that yeah. I need or the shoulder just for a moment. I want to feel safe in this moment. I know I'm going to have to get past it. Right. I like that. I think another um, really big crucial part if you're dealing with an alcoholic or an addict or any of the other addictions that involved in that, it, um, I think the family members, they want to help so, so badly and their hearts in the right place. Um, but they're not, they don't have the ability to help, right. which is so frustrating, mm -hmm. I think, because they do everything, but they're, as soon as I talk to another alcoholic, mm -hmm. all my problems are gone, which is so frustrating. Because it's a you know, me too factor. It, absolutely. Because you have that language. <laughs> exactly. And they, they know that hopelessness, they know that desperation, they know that misery. Mm -hmm. They really, they know it on a soul level. Mm -hmm. And so it's so frustrating because I spent thousands of dollars. I mean, thousands and thousands of dollars in therapy and doing all the things because I did not want to walk into the rooms of AA. That was not going to be my plan. No, 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 not me. Mm -hmm. um, and as soon as I started talking to somebody who, who heard me, who saw me, who felt me. They got you. I mean, how yeah. simple is that? It was so, I was so pissed off because like, it should not be that easy. <laughs> it should not be that easy. And as soon as I go to a meeting, I'm like, I walk out, I'm a completely different person. It still pisses me off because it shouldn't be that easy. <laughs> One hour and I walk out, I'm like, oh, life is good. Like, for now. Yeah, exactly, right? right? For now. So now we're going to go back on the stroke. Yes. Because we have two books sitting here in front of us, and you have a third in your works. Yes. How long did you take to get through the process of being able to speak and everything that you had taken for granted and was taken away? Yeah. So it took about uh, a month and a half-ish. Um, I had to go see a speech therapist. And working with that speech therapist actually was probably the therapist that I should have seen my entire life. Mm. Um, she really taught me how to slow down because my brain works so Slowing fast. Slowing down is something I have to remind myself. Yeah, mm -hmm. and so I had to really be careful about the words that were coming out of my mouth. And so she recommended that um, writing, you know, not writing, but you know, typing out my thoughts might build those neurotransmitters in my brain and I was like, I'm willing to do anything and everything. And in the rooms, they tell you, um, you know, to start a morning routine. So I basically started writing um, about how much I hated my sobriety. 
because it was just so horrible and um, it was just awful. And I had been writing um, from 2018 until um, 2020. And then when 2020 hit, I found myself at a virtual school my kids. Like, I didn't want to go to school myself. Oh, Here I am. Okay. But I knew I needed another outlet. So I was like, you know, let's compile all of these writings that we have done and maybe put them in a book. Mm -hmm. And I got in the shower and the title, Stroke of Sobriety, like randomly came to me. And I was like, perfect. Yeah. I had no idea where to start. Mm -hmm. um, and so I knew I had to do it, not because for me, not because um, I needed a title or anything. It was because I knew there was going to be people coming out of 2020 who found themselves, they had crossed the line mm -hmm. and they became an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. And once you cross that line, mm -hmm. there's no coming back. I bet there was a lot of addictions that were in that time frame. A lot. And I think a yeah. lot, a lot of stay-at-home moms mm -hmm. really, really were hit hard. Mm -hmm. And so I knew there, I, there needed to be something out there that really talked about the raw, brutal truth mm -hmm. of sobriety. Mm -hmm. um, and I hadn't found anything. So I just I know. wrote you it. You are that person. Yeah. Yeah. And you have two books and a third one on the way. So what's the So you have two books. What are the two titles? So Stroke of Sobriety is my first. Stroke of Strength is my second. And then my third will be called Stroke of Sanity. Because I finally have a little bit of sanity. <laughs> Knock on wood. Hopefully well, this is we're wood. We're reaching that yeah. point of we need some sanity, especially what we've been working our way out of for the yeah. past couple of years. I know. So life is better. So good. It's just... And so being mad when you were mad uh, coming out of trying to take your life yeah. wasn't so bad. No. And it just actually last week um, marked six years. And congratulations. I would be so... Imagine if I would have missed out on this. And your kids. I know. And your poor husband. And some people think that suicide is the way out because I've talked to many mm -hmm. people. I've had several guests where it doesn't matter our walk of life, myself having lost my daughter. I had those thoughts too mm -hmm. because you just don't feel like that pain is worth going through anymore. But then now look where I'm at too. I only get to share my story and be the platform for people like yourself. I'm like, okay. And then I got to see all the other stuff that has happened in my life too past that point. So it, it hits everybody. Yeah. Change Change is good, even though it's a difficult task, and yes. the word resistance comes with that. Yeah, um, and I think the biggest um, thing in my sobriety um, has been surrender. Mm. I, I have to surrender over and over and over because if I think things need to go this way, I know I'm in the wrong. So I just need to ha let things happen organically and progress for you rather than perfection because I fumble that all the time yeah. um, but you know it's just as soon as I just like you know the other word that I'm thinking of too is not just surrender accountability right that's Huge. a really really tough one for me too mm -hmm. so I have a final question but before I ask that is there anything that I did not ask since this is not my journey I do know people through my lifetime that I have met that are um, recovering whatever, whatever the sobriety is. 
um, that I've learned different things that I also know how to talk to people. At least I learn how to try and talk to people because I can't say I understand. That's probably one phrase when people say I understand. I'm like, but do you? Right. So I don't say that unless I do understand. Right. I'll say I do know what you're going yeah. through. Is there anything that I did not share that you want to share to make sure that other people are aware of whether it's someone that is on your path as a, as a recovering or someone that's going through it with someone who's in the process of it right. and they're in denial because I know AA is a whole thing too. I, I went yeah. in to try and better understand some people in my life mm -hmm. and support some people in my yeah. life and I was like, wow, that's a lot. And it, I, I, you can take it to your own life too. It doesn't oh yeah. have to have anything to do with just the world addiction. would be a much better place <laughs> if everybody worked a 12-step program. <laughs> um, it's just, yeah. So first of all, I think the biggest thing, um, if you're in the boat and you're struggling and you just don't see any hope, stop comparing your journey with another person. Um, you can be at the bottom of the barrel, you've lost everything, you've lost your kids, you've lost your house, um, or you can have everything like I did. Our journeys are the exact same. And for me, that was really important because I did the comparison game that I think kept me drunk for a lot longer than need be. And so just walk this journey and when it gets really, really difficult, my husband tells me, embrace the suck. Embrace the suck. And so anytime I'm just like, I want to crawl out of my skin, I hear his little freaking voice. <laughs> embrace the suck his, and now. His loving voice. Yeah. In case he sees this, your loving voice. No, he, he, but thank God he yeah. is just, he doesn't sugarcoat anything with me. And, um, and I need that, but he loves me the way that I needed to be loved. And we all need to be loved differently. And oh, the yeah. communication is definitely one of those things that we need to share to say, yes. this is how I feel. I don't want you to fix it, as we mentioned. I don't need you to try and tell me what I need to feel. Mm -hmm. I just want you to understand this is where I'm at. And I love the fact that you use comparison because no matter what our journey is, when you say compare, I don't know why we feel the need to compare, but we do. But we can't because we don't walk the same steps. We may have a similar topic or a similar experience, right. but it's not identical to say, oh, um, I'm gonna, I should be further along than this, yeah. or I should have done this, but I'm not, or whatever the comparisons. There, there should be no comparisons in our lives, but no. yet we find a way to do it. It actually brings us further into a depression if you oh, aren't yeah. already there. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I just, it, the biggest thing is you don't have to lose everything mm -mm. to get sober. You don't have to lose everything to turn your life around. Mm -hmm. Your life turns around the moment you drop that shovel and just walk away. Love it. Where can we find your books? Amazon exclusively or my website, um, strokeofstrength.com or strokeofsobriety.com. And social media platforms. Everyone yes. has a social media platform that we want. Not for the comparisons of how many <laughs> likes and how right. many hearts and how many comments, but for more of an information as a platform. Yeah, it um, one and actually, my Instagram got hacked. Um, now oh. it's real one and only DG. And um, TikTok, I'm a big TikToker. I love it. Um, my kids That's hate it. That's an addiction in its own, <laughs> just so everybody knows. Oh, <laughs> That's okay. That's and okay. That's, um, at one and only DG and um, yeah. Okay. So I have a final question. 
If I only had one question to ask somebody that I could get an idea of who they are, this would be the question. Ready? What message would you like to leave everyone based on your journey? Don't quit before the miracle. Oh, wow. That one's powerful. Miracle. Because you never know when it's going to come. And it can come the day that you want to be done. Mm. It's kind of like that image I see in my head where there's, a, there's this wall of dirt and someone on the other side is like picking and picking and picking away to get uh -huh. to what they're looking for. And they quit just at that moments of if you just picked one more time. And it's so true with everything. Yeah. Thank you for being my guest today and, and sharing your story and your books. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. I so appreciate it. I'm so glad that you were here. Whew. I love what I do because I am a changed person after every single interview. I want to thank my studio sponsor, The Motivated Mind Group, a global creative agency located here in downtown Chandler. If you have a story you want to share, know someone who has a story that will give hope or you're a nonprofit making a difference in your community, please email me to the address of stories at christinehotchkiss.com. Until next time, everyone, I wish you well and you take care. <laughs>